How are we doing, everybody? My name is Kelvin, he, him pronouns. I'll be your guide today with the help of my friends here, Ryan and Jamie. Hey, I'm Ryan. I use he, him pronouns. And I'm Jamie. I use she, her pronouns. This is our very first episode of History Spelunkers, where I take a deep dive through the internet, Wikipedia books, whatever I can find about a some topic or event from history that I find interesting, and hopefully other people do too, and then I'll rant about it and explain it to these lovely people, and hopefully they provide colorful and witty commentary. So are y'all ready? Yes. I guess. I guess it's got to be witty. Let's go. You guess so? All right. (laughs) Down the rabbit hole we go. thinking about laws on mars there's an international treaty saying no country can lay claim to anything that's not on earth and by another treaty if you're not in any country's territory maritime law applies so mars is international waters now nasa is an american non-military organization it owns the hab but second i walk outside i'm in international waters so here's the cool part I'm about to leave for the Scaparelli Crater, where I'm going to commandeer the Ares 4 lander. Nobody explicitly gave me permission to do this, and they can't until I'm on board the Ares 4. So that means I'm going to be taking a craft over in international waters without permission, which by definition makes me a pirate. Mark Watney, space pirate. The Matt Damon. <laughs> the Matt Damon. Yes. I used to be obsessed with Matt Damon when I was like 10. Because he was yeah. in True Grit. Hey, we're all so obsessed you, with Matt Damon. Got it from True Grit. Got it. Mm-hmm. That was the first movie that I really saw him in. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember my first Matt Damon, but we're not going to be talking anything as cool as Mark Watney's Matt Damon in this, unfortunately. We're talking about space in this episode, specifically like Space Pirates. I guess a few years ago now, Ted Cruz, you know, the senator, uh, he alluded to future space pirates um, as justification for creating the Space Force back in 2019. (laughs) Oh, yes, of course. Mm -hmm. Yes, because, you know, they are so rampant um, at this time. They are, of course, a staple of the sci-fi genre, you know, movies like Treasure Planet and the like. And, uh, of course, The Martian. And so we got a while until we got space pirates, I think, um, or space marines or any of that kind of stuff. But many pirates do smuggle, if I know anything about pirates. And uh, we actually have plenty of space smugglers already. And uh, so I'm going to tell you all about some of the more famous instances of space smuggling things astronauts have taken into space sound good that sounds great i mean just the whole idea of being able to bring something that someone doesn't know about into space like you would think these astronauts that have gone through years of training and such serious serious problems and you know hoops they've had to jump through and then they decide yeah, I'm going to sneak something through with these, these people. You know, nobody pays that much attention. Yeah. You would also think NASA would check a little bit better before they take off. 
Like there's gotta be like a TSA to get to get onto a, a TSA rocket. Like, come space. on. <laughs> I mean, we'll probably have that eventually. You know. Yeah, yeah. just get frisked on your way get in. Frisked on your way to the rocket. Uh, yeah. Well, so with early space, you know, back in like the '60s, whenever you're figuring this stuff out, of course, it's a lot of military ex Boy Scouts. You know, it's very much a boys' club. You know, mm-hmm. and. Uh, this first instance, uh, it's the first recorded instance of someone smuggling something into space. It's absurd. We're going to be talking about Gemini 3, which uh, I don't know what y'all know about the order of the space missions. So the first, the first manned missions in the U.S. were the Mercury missions. And those were just basic going up into space, coming back down. And then we had the next phase, which were the Gemini missions. And that was figuring out how to stay in space long enough till we did the Apollo missions, which was going to the moon. And then stuff happens afterwards, but we're not worried about those. And so the first manned mission of the Gemini program was Gemini 3. And so it launched on March. 23rd, 1965. And uh, it was crewed by astronauts Gus Grissom and John Young. And what happened was Young, they went up into space. They'd been up in there, you know, going around. And uh, he pulls out a corned beef sandwich from his pocket. Ew. And the following exchange happens and it's recorded for all time on you know nasa catalogs and stuff transcripts gus grissom asks what is it john young responds corned beef sandwich where'd you get that from i brought it with me let's see how it tastes smells doesn't it Yeah, it's breaking up. I'm going to stick it in my pocket. Is it breaking up? It was a thought anyways. Yeah, not a very good one, though. It'd be pretty good if it just holds together. You want some chicken leg? No, you can handle that. That's the transcript. That's in the history books. Wait, so he brought a chicken leg, too? No, that part was just a joke. Okay. Um, So this was back whenever astronaut food was pretty bad. I mean, they're eating out of tubes and stuff. But just like that transcript alone, just the idea of him bringing a sandwich in his pocket doesn't sound too bad. But if you consider that he had this sandwich in his pocket he didn't take it out until two hours into the flight. He's all squished and sweaty in his flight suit. He was also, this isn't counting all the time, where he was sitting on the launch pad in Florida, in the Florida heat and humidity. And uh, so, yeah, it's a gross sandwich. Ew. And it's breaking apart. It was a mess. So what had happened was another astronaut, 
uh, Wally Shira had gone to a local restaurant on his way to the launch complex earlier in the day, bought the sandwich, and then given it to Young before the flight went up. And so this is an old sandwich that has been passed between several people, been in lots of pockets, not a good deal. And this is the first thing that was smuggled into space without NASA knowing. Hmm. And uh, this made people upset uh, because the crumbs um, <laughs> in zero gravity, they just go everywhere. And uh, oh, no. <laughs> in these... and so now there's crumbs all over the goddamn floor in a space <laughs> capsule. Not over the floor. They're just everywhere in the air. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but not only is it just like a nuisance of I'm getting crumbs in my face. Uh, a lot of like the electronics in these crafts have exposed wiring because you don't <laughs> need stuff in space and you need things to be light. And so uh, these crumbs could get into the electrics and uh, mess things up, which you kind of uh, need things to work in space. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Um, So, yeah, they got in a lot of trouble whenever they got back down to Earth. And uh, the House of Representatives in Congress, uh, and uh, they actually had a like do some type of investigation into it and like release reports and stuff because these two dudes brought a sandwich into space <laughs> and uh george moeller the nasa's associate administrator for manned space flight is quoted as saying we have taken steps to prevent recurrence of corned beef sandwiches in future flights so, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, like the invest- I like the investigation. It's like, how hard is it to track down a sandwich? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, like I get there are some things that need investigations, and there's other like, just just ask, and I'm sure he'd be like, oh yeah, I know. Uh, just ask the guy where he got me. the sandwich. They gotta like <laughs> say how he got through the security. You know, how did he get past TSA? You know. <laughs> And, but yeah, that's that's numero uno. And um, I think it wasn't until the space shuttles, so like probably something close to 30 years later, maybe, that corned beef sandwiches were put on the menu for space flight again. <laughs> and uh, there's a, a museum somewhere that doesn't have the sandwich but they do have a sandwich in acrylic as a memorial of this incident. Ah, beautiful. Yes. Yeah, you know, a fitting memorial, I would say. Um, so yeah, that's number one. But uh, remember the name Wally Shura, the guy who went to the store and bought the sandwich that started this whole thing. He is... The prankster, I guess, of NASA. 
because he is also involved in the next famous instance of smuggling into space, which uh, is also on a Gemini mission, uh, Gemini 6A. The circumstances of this is weird because uh, Gemini 6, you know, they're numbered in the order that they go up into space. And so uh, Gemini 6 was planned to launch on October 25th of 1965. And its goal was to figure out how to perform docking maneuvers between spacecrafts. And so they were going to launch a separate vehicle and then going to launch Gemini 6 and then have them dock in space to do all that kind of practice and stuff for the eventual moon missions. And so um, whenever they launched the target vehicle, six minutes into the flight, it like exploded. And so they couldn't just send up Gemini 6 because it would have nothing to dock with anymore. So the flight got canceled. And so they were trying to figure out how to recover because they want to send the dudes up into space you know they built the rocket they need to use it and so after looking around in the schedule there was going to be another mission in december of that year gemini 7 and it was going to be in space for two weeks it was going to be up testing how long they could be in space but it was going to be up there for two weeks and so they figured that they could launch Gemini 6 and still practice the maneuvering systems with Gemini 7 without them actually docking with each other. They just have them get super close. And so because of this, Gemini 6 is launched after Gemini 7 in the order of things. Anyways, on January, I mean, sorry, on December 12th, they uh, have designated it Gemini 6A, They have scheduled to launch at 9.54 a.m., engines light, and then they turn off two seconds later, which isn't supposed to happen on a rocket. And the pilot, Wally Shira, is technically supposed to abort the mission. And uh, the fun thing about this type of rocket, the Gemini rockets, they had ejector seats. Which is a bad idea because uh, <laughs> it would have shot two astronauts 800 feet out of the side of a rocket. You know, that was still on G-Persons. the ground. That's still on the ground. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's supposed to be used for like if the rocket is exploding and um, ejector seats themselves have rockets on them. And because in the capsule itself, it's a pure oxygen environment, you would basically be launching two human fireballs out of this thing. Oh, no. (laughs) So uh, he didn't pull the ejector seat like he was supposed to, which is good because they probably would have gotten seriously injured otherwise. So the third time's a try. So they were able to get everything fixed out. Um, The problem was is... uh, a plug fell out of the socket. 
you know, it just fell out sooner than it was supposed to. Something yes, stupid like that. Um, so they managed to schedule it and it goes off successfully on the 15th. So only a couple of days later. So that's just kind of the background of this flight because it's a little weird in and of itself. Um, so let's get on to the smuggling because that's what we're here for, right? Gemini 7 had been up there for several days. And so Gemini 6 went up, did its maneuvers, and then was just going to come right back down. And so on December 16th, right before they go down into reentry, Wally calms down to Houston. And because uh, it's close to Christmas time, he jokes that he can see Santa Claus outside of his window. And uh, he says, this is Gemini 6. Uh, we have an object, looks like a satellite going from north to south up in a polar orbit. He's at a very low trajectory traveling north to south and has a very high climate ratio, which might be uh, very low. Looks like he might be going to re-enter soon. Stand by one. You might let me try to pick up this thing. And then you hear jingle bells on the radio. This man had taken a harmonica up with him <laughs> and just started playing. And so this was uh, the first musical instrument ever to be played in space. And, uh, not on purpose. <laughs> so, yeah, not on purpose. Um, people take musical instruments up all the time now to the space station. But, yeah, it's just a cute little thing that he did. So, a little more harmless than a crumb-filled sandwich. Then a crumb-filled sandwich that could kill you, yes. A little less harmless. Yeah. So those are like famous early space smuggling. These next couple, they still aren't super serious, but if you look at them from like an abstract sense, the potential criminality of it escalates severely. <laughs> at least in my mind, at least. And uh, very recent, because uh, this next one was back in February of 2019. So, wow. We're uh, jumping recent. a bit. We're jumping a few years. Jumping a few years. And so this one is the story about the, probably going to pronounce it wrong, but uh, the Barasheet Lunar Lander. It was planned to be the first non-governmental craft to land on the moon and it was developed by some israeli um, aerospace companies and was going to be launched on uh one of the first falcon nines really and yeah uh spacex plays a role in these next couple um and so it was going to be launched on a Falcon 9 and uh, was going to be the first private company to land something on the moon. 
And so Nova Spivak, probably pronouncing that wrong too. He's this super smart, rich guy developing some stuff to send on this mission. Um, He's working on a microscopic library, I think is what it was called. Um, Basically a time capsule that had 30 million pages of data etched, laser etched onto uh, nickel plates. And then those plates were put in resin and it was going to go to the moon. So that way, if aliens ever found this, I guess, after we're long gone, there's something left of us. I've never understood the way we do that. Like, you know, we can etch things into like silicon. It's supposed to last for a really long time, but also like, who would know to look at that and be like, yeah, no, that these earthlings, yeah, they put something on this, uh, this disc. Like, how would they yeah. ever be able to read that? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Just like send up a CD or like a, like a, like a gramophone or something. And they just got to crank it and they start <laughs> playing some like earth music or something. I don't know. The, yeah, world, the well, world's last Rick roll. You know, this, uh, what he was setting up in the space uh, was actually a, a copy of all of Wikipedia and uh, a sample of human DNA so that also, and additionally, whenever we're long gone, if the aliens find this, uh, not only can they read Wikipedia, they can uh, restart the human race if they so chose to. And now whose DNA was this? Probably like, people donated. I feel like that would be an important piece of uh, information to send up, just like some random guy. Just we bought bob down the street you know he's spitting a cup for us and we just sent it to space sounds perfect yes. sounds perfect <laughs> uh who who's dna you send in the space right i don't know i don't know, who, know? I would, who i would send jamie hmm. i don't know either i don't know if i know anyone that i'm like yes that is who we should be basing the entire human race off of I feel like you had to get into some like into some like race war if you really got too deep oh, into it of who is able to be yeah exactly that's exactly uh, what yeah, that would turn into yeah it's probably a good idea that we don't think about too much probably just go to the blood bank and just grab the first thirty bags you see and just ship that up there there you go yeah just borrow some blood bags yeah steal some blood bags send them to space we'll smuggle that into space next time there we go all right. That's, that's our plan. So, yeah. So he's sending this thing up, you know, into space. And, um, you know, the company's fine with him sending it up. That's what he's paying for, space on this rocket. Well, before he sent this microscopic library over to the company to put into this rocket, uh, he secretly put something else inside of the resin container that held this library. Tardigrades. Of course. <laughs> you can't have space without a talk about tardigrades. Exactly. <laughs> and so uh, for those of you who don't know, listening to this, uh, tardigrades are microscopic eight-legged animals 
also known as water bears, who are known to be practically invincible. They are basically unkillable. They've been sent to space sometimes um, in addition to this, but we sent them on purpose a couple of times and asked them about it. And they survived the vacuum of space. They, they can survive anything. They'll be here long after we're gone. Um, so yeah, he. Uh, the reason why tardigrades can survive is because they like basically dehydrate themselves, and uh, they can be reanimated up to ten years later at least. Yeah, he sent some of those up without telling Space IL, which is the company that sent him up there, and so uh, you know he's like, "Ha I got away with it." And he was going to smuggle animals to the moon, you know, animal trafficking, basically. So um, instead of aliens being able to recreate humans, they just actually learn more about by, tardigrades. Yeah, just by tardigrades creating Wikipedia. He thought he got away with this space. You know, the company had no idea. And uh, so everything's fine. And on April 11th, 2019, you know, the rockets in space, it's uh, about to land on the moon and it crashes. Rocket crashes on the moon, it's destroyed. So, yeah. But the thing is, tardigrades can survive anything. And because the capsule was so small, it's probably fine. And so uh, we just release tardigrades on the moon, basically. <laughs> And uh, first instance of animal trafficking into space. And now we, you know, it's uh, tardigrades are invasive species on the moon now. Oh, yes. Are they, though, if there's not an ecosystem for them to invade? That's a good question. Or are they just now there? I mean, I feel like they're definitely still alive or like could be reanimated if we found them, but I think they'd kind of be in like a vegetative state until they were rehydrated. Not quite alive, not quite dead yet. Yeah. I like to think that they're alive, you know, they're just going about their business on the moon. They're going to go back up there in a couple years. What's that beans commercial with the Alien on the moon eating the astronauts. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Is it beans no. commercial? Yeah, it's like a beans commercial. Like it's the like, it's like Bush's baked beans or something like that. I thought all their commercials had the like golden retriever though. The oh, talks. Now this one, it's like a bunch of astronauts on the moon and they plant a flag, and you know, they're like, yeah. And then out of nowhere, this like giant monster comes and like eats all of them. Oh, I've seen that clip, but that's a commercial for beans. Yeah, because then it like pans over and you got this one astronaut like hiding behind a rock and he's like, oh my God, I survived. But then he farts in his spacesuit and the thing <laughs> hears it. And that's, you know, the joke. And it's like, beans. Don't eat beans in space, I guess. I guess. That sounds like a commercial my dad would make. <laughs> Yeah. Like, two, two things about space, you know. Don't eat, bring up corned beef sandwiches, 
don't eat beans or else the tardigrades will kill you. I feel but like if according- space is a I've- vacuum, how did it hear the fart? Don't think about it too hard, Jamie. Well, okay. If- so he's got air in the spacesuit. Yeah. And I think the monster feels the vibrations through the ground. And so just, mm. just imagine like a, uh, one of those movies where it's like the, the blind creatures, like not bird box, but uh, a quiet basically place? just the, yeah, yeah it's like, like a quiet, quiet place, place where it's like, if you make any kind of noise, it's just like someone could fart and that's the end for you. But how are there vibrations in a vacuum? Though? It has okay. to transfer through a medium. And I mean, you're on the moon, like you're touching yeah, the your moon. Yeah, your feet are touching. Okay, He's hugging this rock. No, it's super Come sensitive. on, Jamie. But isn't his suit also supposed to be airtight? Doesn't mean you can't fart. <laughs> yeah, it's not like you're not pressure sealed. It's just a suit. <laughs> the astronauts definitely fart, Jamie. I, I'm not saying they don't fart. <laughs> I'm saying, how does the alien hear it? Don't think about They're just trying to sell beans, Jamie. <laughs> I think they thought about this when they were trying to make the beans commercial. They probably interviewed astronauts. Like, have you ever farted in your suit and yeah. did anyone else notice? Buzz Aldrin, <laughs> when you were on the moon, could you hear Neil farting? I feel like he would be one of the ones to, to talk because I remember one of those three, um, one of those three astronauts was just like constantly eating so much food and there was like there was a there was a joke that was like the running joke was that one of the three guys was gonna like eat up the rations for the apollo program because he was just sitting in a pod board and he was on like his 11th ration or something of the day oh what was it i don't remember i don't remember which which astronaut it was but he would he would be the one to ask i'll have to look that up and get back to you yeah, get back to us on that. Yes, I'm going to mute real quick and I'll do some research and be right back. <laughs> okay. Well, while you're doing that, I'll move on to uh, our final instance of space smuggling. And this one, even more recent, we actually just found out about this Christmas of 2020. Wow. So this Super is also recent. a really fun story. Um, probably my favorite instance out of all these. So I will be telling you about a couple of people here, a couple of stories, and their lives intertwine kind of interestingly. So, Jamie, did you watch Star Trek? Um, The new ones or the old Any ones? Star Trek. Have you seen any? Brian, have you seen any yeah, Star Trek? I've, I've actually seen a lot. I think the only Star Trek that I've seen is like one of the newest movies. I've never been too big into them, but. So neither of y'all have seen the original Star Trek series. No, I have. Oh, yeah. My grandmother was. Who's the guy that plays Spock, like original? Leonard. Yeah, Leonard. Yeah. Leonard Leonard Nimoy? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's it. My granny was obsessed with that man. Um. So I saw, like, the original stuff at her. Yes. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah. James Duhan, I think I'm saying that right, hopefully, is famous for playing Scotty on the original series. Mm -hmm. You know, famous role like that. Uh, He 
sadly passed away back in 2005 at the age of 85 and was cremated. And it's this was this man's dream to have his ashes put into space. (laughs) And so um, in 2007, he and a bunch of other people, I think like 300 other people, had their ashes launched into space on a suborbital flight, but it just went up for a couple minutes so that they could say they've been in space and they came back down. Just like normal people ashes or like yeah, other a, famous a people? A bunch of people got together and bought tickets, I guess. And so his family bought Wave for a very small portion, only like a couple of grams of his ashes to go into space. Mm-hmm. Hmm with a bunch of other people on a rocket. Wait, like alive people or their ashes? Their ashes. Okay. It was only up there for a couple minutes, came right back down. So again, on August 2008, um, another portion of Duhan's ashes was scheduled to be launched into space on the third Falcon 1 rocket. This was back before Elon Musk was super famous with SpaceX because uh, neither of the two rockets before that worked. They both blew up, and uh, this one was also bound to blow up eventually. And so those ashes didn't get into space either. Well, third time's a charm, we're thinking, right? And so uh, we're going to move on to introduce another person. And this man is Richard Garriott. And he is the son of former astronaut Owen Garriott, who went up on one of the Skylab missions, one of the first space stations. And uh, Richard Garriott uh, got super wealthy from being an early video game designer. And so... He wanted to go up into space like his dad, and so he bought himself a ticket to go up to the International Space Station back in 2008, and uh, he got to go. And so he was the second second generation astronaut and the sixth private citizen to purchase his way into space. And so he spent 12 days on the International Space Station. So while he was in space... The family of James Duhan managed to convince him to take up uh, a couple of copies of some laminated cards that had some of the ashes laminated them with like the name and the picture and that kind of stuff and take those up into space and have them with them on the space station for about 12 days. And so uh, while he was up in space, One day he went and he hid one of the laminated cards somewhere in the space station under the floor panels. And nobody knew that he did this until Christmas of last year, 2020, whenever Duhan's son announced it on Twitter that back in 2008, they had smuggled up his dad's ashes and left them in space. (laughs) And so at this point... The ashes had been up in space for 12 years and had traveled 70,000 orbits in space. Wow. That amounts to 
almost 2 billion miles traveled. Billion with a B. Christ. And NASA had no clue that they were up there. And from what I can tell, the ashes are still up there because they don't know which floor panel they're under. <laughs> and I bet he can't just point it out either. Like, I bet he barely yeah, remembers I mean, exactly where they were. And, uh, like, it was a big story whenever it got announced on Twitter last year, but I haven't seen much news after that. So, yeah, there's ashes of a guy somewhere on the space station. Hmm. So, smuggling human remains, I think, is... Uh, Kind of serious. I'm I'm not sure what the penalty for that is here on Earth, but uh, I mean, he legally did. Like they knew he was taking that up. Yeah, he he brought. So the it's card, not really. I mean, he, he got he got it, it up there. there legally, but yeah, leaving it there. It's like a weird yeah. space burial. Yeah, weird space burials. Would you want your ashes to go into space? I feel like that'd be a really cool way to go. I'd like to be in space before my ashes, but hey, if that's hey. that's how I how I get there. Yeah, I, I'm sort of the same way. I'd like to be in space before my ashes, but you know, ashes are fine. I'll take what I can get. Yeah. I would like to be like ejected into space, though. I wouldn't like. It's really cool that he's on the International Space Station, but it's, it'd be just kind of cool to like not be on a satellite, but like have it tracked. Just eat like, yourself out there just eat yourself like on an extra trajectory or something and so it's like at some point you get out of the solar system and you're just just in the expanse of space that's way that's way cooler in my opinion all right well this is going down as your final will and testament line we will uh send your ashes into space i'll be sure to put that in writing yeah yeah uh we'll give you some tardigrades to keep you company Perfect. Perfect. They can feed on my, they can actually feed on my ashes and I will uh, like in the episode of Futurama where Bender becomes a God, it'll be yeah. just like that. Yeah. yeah. Grow a colony, colony of tardigrades. A colony of tardigrades out of there. Yes. And in our little intermission before the next story, I've, I have found the, the eating story that I, that I spoke of. Oh, well, that was the last story. So yes. Oh, that was the last story. All right. Well, all right, as my story then, I guess. <laughs> so Apollo 11, obviously, you know, first people to touch down the moon, kind of a big deal, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Michael Collins, Buzz Aldrin, and Neil Armstrong, you know, the, the latter of the two, you know, more well-known because they're the ones that step foot. Yeah, yeah. But once they were taking a nap or taking their, their little uh, rest, they woke up and had breakfast like any normal morning. And so I guess their rations were oatmeal in some form. I'm not sure exactly how they had it. But Collins comes calls down to Houston to say, I'd like to enter Aldrin in the oatmeal eating contest next time. And Bruce McCandless, who's in Mission Control, responds with, is he pretty good at that? And Collins says, he's doing a share up here. And McCandless says, let's see. You all just finished a meal not long ago too, didn't you? And Aldrin says, well, I'm still eating. And McCandless is like, okay, does that... that I mean, and then Colin says he's on, he's on his 19th bowl. Oh my God. What? And so this man, Buzz Aldrin, apparently as his morning snack for, for being an astronaut, you know, you work up an appetite, getting ready to land on the moon and you just eat at least 19 bowls of oatmeal. And like, 
I'm assuming that these bowls are meant to be like serving size, you know. This is your meal. I, I would guess, but like who eats that much oatmeal? So spaced oatmeal probably isn't good oatmeal. No, yeah, I bet it's not. not. I mean, it's I mean oats pretty much are preserved anyway. So I bet it's literally just dried oats and you just throw some water in there somehow. Water on it. Yeah, you probably like mix it up in a bag or something so no water can get out because like you were saying, yeah, he's wires and electronics. He's probably like literally slurping up oatmeal. Out of a bag. Out of a bag. And he's had 19 of those apparently. <laughs> I mean, I'm just so going through oatmeal. an entire yeah, and I'm just going through an entire article of different quotes, and a lot of them are, you know, just like them being in awe of all this stuff but then you know it's really funny just listening to the transcript because i mean these these guys were up there for days obviously it took a while to get yeah. to them to and from the moon i mean one of the transcripts is when neil armstrong just almost fell over after he jumped too high on the moon <laughs> i mean I, fa- I think one of my favorite videos of space in general is just all the all the astronauts on the moon just with like uh flintstones sound effects in the background oh yeah just like sped up spacewalking where they're just like hobbling around and it's just hilarious. And there's just like bonk noises every now and then. Beautiful. I do know one of the tests. Um, I don't, I don't remember which Apollo mission it was, but uh, one of the astronauts actually brought up one of their golf clubs and a golf ball. Yeah. Just to play golf on the moon. And I don't know if they ever, I don't know if they ever saw it land, you know, because I would think you could, a golf ball pretty far in space but yeah probably is it considered a world record if you do it on the moon i don't think so Mm. no uh i think you have like the you know i think you have miss america and miss universe and all that like you'd have to go out a step further than a world record for something on the moon what would that be because it's not an earthquake on the moon, it's a moonquake, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, so. It, is it just a moon record? Uh, it doesn't sound too good. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Scientists come up with a better name for that. I feel like they, I feel like they have to at some point. You got to do yeah. some like gymnastics on the moon or something. Gymnastics like, you know, on the moon. At some point. Yeah. So. It'd be really cool, I think, to take like a bunch of like professional athletes up to the moon and make them do stuff because space does weird things to your body. Mm-hmm. That's true. I know one of the first like fully private space flights or like that orbits. I don't know if it's going to orbit the moon or just slingshot around it, whatever. Um, but it was spearheaded by this very, of course, this very rich man that is specifically sending up like artists and so i don't know mm-hmm. if they've done the selection process on that but like they actually have like a group of however many artists that are going to go up on starship orbit the moon and each one of them is going to have their own like portfolio of like art that they did on the flight and i think that's really cool so like wow so i definitely think the athlete thing should be more once we have like a few more set things on the moon yeah and is it Tom Cruise going to like film a movie in space sometime soon? I think that's what he says. To... I don't. I mean, I feel like he could do it. Like, I think he's supposed to go up to the ISS. I don't know. Yeah. 
Jeff Bezos is going up in a little bit. So yeah, him him and his brother and some Amanda spent like twenty eight million dollars to be the third guy. God, space. You know, I said uh, Garriott, Richard Garriott. You know, he mm-hmm. bought his way into space, but it was only like forty thousand dollars. So really, he he, he flew coach. <laughs> oh, I got it. They just kind of strapped him on at the last minute. Yeah. The future is now. <laughs> the future is now. And so I guess it's only a matter of time before serious space smuggling, you know, space pirates, you know, Ted Cruz's oh, voice yeah. nightmare comes true. When we have the actual TSA of the of the space world, when there are actual like public transport almost going into yeah. space. Oh yeah, there's gonna be so much stuff. And get through, get through the cracks. So well guess that's our first episode so uh thanks for listening everybody uh hopefully we'll do this again sometime soon shout out to lexi for the cover art and the music is from mountaineer you can find it uh at upbeat.io that's upbeat with two p's and uh if you want to see some of the sources do more research into this topic for whatever reason uh you can find stuff down in the show notes and before we go just want to acknowledge that we're recording from occupied land that rightfully belongs to the kiowa comanche tonkawa and other indigenous people if you have any questions suggestions about future topics or you just want to say hello um you can email us at history spelunkers at gmail.com that's history s-p-e-l-u-n-k-e-r-s at gmail thank you all for listening and hopefully we get to do this again sometime soon and till next time uh, see you down the rabbit hole bye guys all right bye guys bye